Hey guys, welcome to another Ahmed Rob podcast. And today we have a lot to cover. I know that I've been away um, covering other topics, um, but I'm still very much focused on what's happening with the COVID vaccine rollout. And this story, you can find it at childrenshealthdefense.org. The title of this story hits home for me because I'm actually from Michigan. And this victim of the COVID vaccine was only 13 years old. And this 13 years old, 13 year old died three days after their second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. And the aunt says moral, ethical and health questions need answers. Initial autopsy results showed the previously healthy boy suffered from myocarditis and inflammatory heart condition. CDC officials have acknowledged is likely linked to mRNA COVID vaccines. So here we have a tweet from his aunt, whose name is Tammy Barrages, who says, a week ago today, my brother's 13-year-old son had a second COVID shot. Less than three days later, he died. The initial autopsy results done Friday were that his heart was enlarged and there was some fluid surrounding it. He had no known health problems, was on no medications. All right. Burgess also tweeted, which she later removed. Our family is devastated. I struggle with putting this out on Twitter. I am pro-vaccine. We vaccinated my own 14-year-old son as soon as it was possible. I know it is most insane. The CDC needs to investigate this. There have been other cases of myocarditis and young men receiving their second Pfizer shot. Have others died from it in the United States? Or is my nephew the first? Should any innocent child be a sacrificial lamb in this endeavor? There are moral, ethical, and health questions that need to be answered. If Jacob had not received his second shot, we believe he will be alive today. The teen's death was reported to the CDC and is under investigation by federal health regulators to determine if there is a correlation between the death and vaccination, according to the Saginaw County Health Department, which received notice from the Saginaw Medical Examiner's Office of the boy's death. Loss of life in an adolescent for any reason is heartbreaking, the health department said in a statement. Health Officer Chris Harrington and Medical Director Delicia Pruitt are mothers of children at the boy's age so it hits close to home for them. As of Wednesday, the CDC's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System did not include an entry for a Michigan teen who died in June. According to various reports, there's a two-month data lag between reports made to bears and those published to the public. During a June 23rd meeting, the CDC's Advisory Committee on Humanization Practices said there's a likely association of mild heart inflammation in adolescents and young adults after vaccination. The FDA said it will add a warning to COVID vaccines produced by Pfizer and Moderna about rare cases of heart inflammation in adolescents and young adults. During the June ACIP meeting, members acknowledged more than 1,200 cases of heart inflammation, mostly in 16 to 24-year-olds, mostly occurring in men. However, they said the benefits of the vaccines outweigh the risks. 
Dr. Tom Shima Bukuro, Deputy Director of the CDC's Immunization Safety Office, said in a presentation that data from one of the agency's safety monitoring system vaccine safety data link suggests a rate of 12.6 cases per million in 12 to 39 year olds during the three weeks after the second shot. During the meeting's public comment session, commenters chastised the CDC and its advisory committee for claiming the benefits of experimental COVID vaccines outweigh the risk of teens when teens have a relative zero risk of dying from COVID and are at a very low risk of experiencing adverse events. Dr. Merrill Nass, an internal medicine physician, pointed out several flaws in the data used during the ACIP's presentation. As of now, two major ways the rate of myocarditis were minimized during the presentation was to lump people from age 39 and down, even though the highest rates of myocarditis are in the youngest kids. This waters down the rate. The other method was to only include a very narrow window of time after vaccination started in the 12 to 15 age group, thus omitting the vast majority of second doses, which is when about 75% or more of the myocarditis cases occur. Also, the genders were sometimes mixed and rates in girls are much lower than boys. During the presentation, Dr. Megan Wallace stated the overall efficacy of Pfizer's COVID vaccine in 12 to 15 age group is 100%, and Moderna's was comparable. Wallace then did a risk-benefit analysis comparing myocarditis cases versus hospitalization rates for COVID in people between the ages of 12 and 29. The problem with her analysis is that now the myocarditis rate used is too low and the risk from COVID is magnified. Other public commenters accused the CDC of withholding VAERS data and delaying publication of adverse event reports. Actual numbers, one commenter estimated, are three to 14 times higher than what's been made public to date. Physician Dr. Leslie Moore said current VAERS data is atrocious and frightening. All we have is the VAERS system, which is voluntary self-reporting. We know VAERS only captures one to 10% of all adverse events. Adverse events are grossly underreported for a variety of reasons. I looked at open bears this morning. These products have amassed 6,000 deaths and 20,000 hospitalizations in the US alone, which is more than the other 70 vaccines for the last 30 years combined. That is with gross underreporting and a two month backlog. Let's face it, these vaccines are not safe. The latest data from VAERS shows 1,117 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis in all age groups reported in the U.S. following COVID vaccination between December 14, 2020 and June 11, 2021. Of the 1,117 cases, 686 were attributed to Pfizer, 391 to Moderna, and 36 to Johnson & Johnson. Those Shima Bukuro during the June 23rd ACIP meeting cited BSD data about the rate of the heart inflammation in 12 to 39 year olds. The defender has been unable to report on BSD data related to COVID vaccine adverse events, including heart inflammation. That's because unlike bears, the BSD does not make data collected through the system readily available to the public.
The VSD is a collaborative project between the CDC and several large health plans, according to his website. Though the public can't access the VSD data, there's a process whereby researchers can apply to access data. According to the VSD website, there are several ways interested researchers can access VSD data. The VSD established a data sharing program at the National Center for Health Statistics Research Data Center to allow external guest analysts to one, conduct new vaccine safety studies, or two, reanalyze study-specific data sets from published VSD studies. All right, so that was a lot, um, but you know, I just want to say um, that this is a very tragic situation and it hits home for me, like I said, because I'm from Michigan and this is a 13 year old. Um, at the end of the day, this is somebody that's going through puberty. This is somebody that's just starting off life, somebody that hasn't even graduated high school yet. And their parents, you know, agreed to let their child get vaccinated and he's dead. Okay. So, for the CDC to have their bullshit, bullshit data, because that's exactly what it is, the doctor pointed it out. They, they have bullshit data. They're not using real numbers and they're using their system instead of theirs, right? And their system uh, is a private system. The public doesn't have access to it. The public can't submit data to it. Um, that is completely ridiculous that the CDC wants to create their own data tracking system and then use that to try to advise the public about what's safe for children. And on top of that, the VAERS system, which is the only public system that we have, is two months behind. That is completely unethical, especially when you're talking about a vaccine rollout that's being targeted to children. This is so ridiculous. And how dare they um, minimize myocarditis and compare it to COVID hospitalization when this boy is dead. And this is not the only child that has died. We don't know how many children have died, but we can estimate that it's definitely over a thousand, definitely over a thousand deaths. So it's absolutely ridiculous that, you know, they not only did they delay the emergency meeting that they had about the, the heart attacks that children were having because of Juneteenth, which fell on a Saturday not a Friday, when they actually had the meeting, they used horrible, horrible data. And also people, I'm gonna be talking a lot about data science, data analysis, um, data literacy. I'm gonna be talking a lot about that because if you don't have that, then the CDC can get on the news and tell people that, oh, it's, it's only, we can estimate it's 1.26 people for every million. When you don't have data literacy, we don't have data skills, then that type of rhetoric works. But this is completely irresponsible. This is crimes against humanity. This is just unbelievable what they are doing. They are willing to sacrifice the lives of children to push their vaccine. So absolutely unfortunate. Um, I wish him to rest in peace. Um, I'm a very spiritual person. So, you know, I think that his death um, was not in vain and that his death is going to be always looked back on as a testimony to why we need to protect children and why this vaccine is unsafe. So with that being said, I just wanna do some quick um, news updates because I know there's been a lot of news stories going on and I haven't had a chance to cover all of them. 
So what else is going on? Um, now this is new. So this just came out from Reuters and it says the World Health Organization estimates COVID-19 boosters needed yearly for most vulnerable, really. <laughs> so it says here that the World Health Organization forecasts that people most vulnerable to COVID-19, such as the elderly, will need to get an annual vaccine booster to be protected against variants and internal documents seen by ruler shows. The estimate is included in a report, which is to be discussed on Thursday at a board meeting of Gavi, a vaccine alliance that co-leads the World Health Organization's COVID-19 vaccine program, COVAX. The forecast is subject to changes and is also paired with two other less likely scenarios. So yes, people, um, they are definitely planning to, you know, give people um, a vaccine every year. And now they're saying, well, they need to do it to protect people against variants. I'm actually gonna do another, a, a whole other podcast because for 40 years, they have been trying to develop an HIV vaccine and they've never been able to develop an HIV vaccine because they say, and I quote, the virus is too fragile, it mutates too quickly. And now we have at least probably 10 known mutations, not all the known mutations of this virus. We know that it went through gain of function manipulation, which is what they've done um, to to make the virus more transmissible and more deadly and more infectious to human lung cells. So there's probably thousands of mutations of this virus. And Dr. Geert Van Dosh, I'm also gonna review one of his videos at a later time, when he talked about when we had the flu epidemic, um, when they looked at the virus in people that had died, they didn't have a lot of variation right, because they weren't mass vaccinating the public and giving them constant um, mutations by exposing them to different antibodies. So, of course, I mean, this was their plan all along. I think it's very obvious what their plan is. And um, I think that they're absolutely horrible at hiding their agenda. So we cannot trust the World Health Organization. We definitely cannot trust the CDC after what they just did to children and, and still allowing to be done to children um, as we speak. And, you know, at this point, we can't trust any government with our health. We have to be responsible for our own health. We have to start our own universities. We have to create our own labs and we have to fund our own labs, not take grant money from the government. Um, we have to do all of that ourselves. So it's very, very obvious what they're trying to do. They, they have been planning booster shots for a very long time. So this is nothing new. Um, so with that being said, um, I have to go to a meeting, but I just wanted to cover something really briefly and give you guys an update. But I definitely will be covering more information about the situation as more information 
becomes available. So I hope that you enjoy this podcast and I will see you in the next video.